boys and girls, I promised you a bonus podcast, and a bonus podcast is what you are going to get if you're listening to this as it's originally published. It is a midweek Global Gale podcast. Usually they come to you of a Saturday. Uh, some places of Asia it might even be Sunday at that point. But uh, yeah, usually they will come to you at that time of the week. But this one was too good to hold on to. Today we are going to talk to Jane Neelewasa about learning the Irish language. And it's something that popped up there around about New Year when I saw Jane coming into my timeline, coming into my feed there. And she's offering to teach Irish to people all over the world. So I said, geez, I have to find out more about this because it's one of those things that I think many of us have in the back of our minds that there's a certain sense of, uh, sometimes it's annoyance that we had to study the language at all, but there's also a certain amount of regret that the longer we're out of Ireland or the longer that we don't use our Irish, that it kind of tends to disappear. And in recent years, I've noticed that, uh, especially when it comes to, if you love sport, if you love the GAA as I do, or a bit of rugby as many of you do, uh, you'll find that a lot of the great sport is on TG Car. And I found myself watching it in a variety of ways via satellite dishes and streams in recent years. And I found that, you know, I had a reasonably good level of Irish when I would have been leaving school, but that disappeared as I learned the Swedish language and a bit of Norwegian. And of course, I was learning French in secondary school as well. Bit confused, lads. And it's something that pains me to this day that my Irish is not as good as it perhaps should be. And it's one of those things as well that no matter where you are in the world, when you're trying to explain to people why we're English speakers and why we can't speak our own language at all, I just find it embarrassing, lads, you know. So... Over the years now, especially as my eldest daughter um, has been learning Irish, uh, the younger one has also been expressing an interest in it. And indeed, before the pandemic there, we thought we might go to the Gaeltacht for a little while and spend a month over there and sort of immerse ourselves in the language. But then, of course, the pandemic put a stop to everything. So when you see people like this turn up, uh, like Jane Lee Lewis had turn up and offer these things, uh, I thought, well, we have to give her the platform, we have to reach out, and we have to talk to the global Irish community, because I know I'm not the only one who feels like this. I know there's an awful lot of people, if you listen to the Irish in Sweden podcast on occasion, you will have heard that there's some Gael Gori here in Stockholm, and they meet up in Virsum's pub in the old town here, and they speak Irish, and some speak very well, and some barely speak at all, but they go there and they make a concerted effort. That might be them calling me to a meeting now, who knows, lads. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely worth um, revisiting this, because... We do have it in us, you know, if we have a certain level of primary school Irish in us, it's in there somewhere and all we need to do is kind of fish it out again, you know. So I got in contact with Jane and I asked her to come on the podcast on this special bonus episode of the Global Gale podcast to talk to you about learning Irish and what she can do to help you learn Irish, right? Um, As you'll hear, there are some things that you need to pay for. There are some things that are free. I would encourage everybody to support teachers like Jane who are trying to teach the Irish language to as many of us as possible so if you have the, the possibility of throwing in a few bob do that absolutely if you haven't take part in what uh, she has her uh, circle cora or circle cora that she has that she'll talk about there but please do support Jane and support other people who are teaching the Irish language and if you think sure, that's not for me have a listen to this chat lads because I think you'll find that it is I think you'll find that there's something in this for absolutely everybody and I know at the end of it I was mad to learn the El Cupola fuckle again but sure, here it is anyway Jane Lee Lewis uh, talking about teaching Irish to you and me and the global Gaelic community and sure anybody who wants to learn it go on Jane I suppose let's get started in your, with your own background within the Irish language you're a native Irish speaker from birth are you? Yeah that's right so I grew up in the Gaeltacht, so an Irish speaking region in Cork um, oh. so I've 
went to okay. school last And is that year. where you produce all the people that taught me Irish? Because we only ever learned Munster Irish in school, if I recall <laughs> correctly, you know? <laughs> yeah. And is that what happens there? The people from your region, they tend to sort of, would you, would that be the first thing you thought of when you were sort of going to, you know, do your intercert and do your leave and said that, oh, I might be an Irish teacher? Or was that the, That's the what only I did, path? actually. I was a primary school teacher. Um, a lot of people from the grades that go and do teaching. Um, yeah. I'm not sure exactly why. <laughs> and it, is it because you know, you kind of have an advantage, right? When you wandered out of school as a native Irish speaker, and needless to say, you have your 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 A in Irish and that kind of thing, you know, it's just an easy path. Or is it is it something that you want to do as well? Yeah, well, I've wanted to be a teacher forever since I was a very young child when I asked Santa for a whiteboard for Christmas when I was seven or something. I, um, I wanted to be a teacher since then. Um, so I, I'm not sure if it's like, that's me personally that I've always wanted to be a teacher. So that's why I did primary school teaching. I suppose there must be something that Irish comes naturally to us. So it seems like the natural thing to do to do Irish mm. teaching. Now, this is going to sound like a weird question and only a native English speaker could ask you, but at what point did you sort of realize in your life that you were speaking two languages, that you had one language at home and yet you were sort of in a way surrounded by another language? Do you remember when that sort of became a conscious thing for you? Um. Not maybe when I went to college, actually, um, it was probably then that I realized how special Irish was that we had Irish at home, um, mm. because I suppose everyone around me at home was speaking Irish at home as well, or they were native speakers anyway. Mm. Um, so that was just like a normal thing for us. But it was when I went to college and people were having trouble learning Irish and like they couldn't put sentences together, I was like, Whoa, she said, I just expected everyone to be able to, to speak it, did you? Yeah. Yeah. And you would have thought that, okay, they've gone and they've done their leave and certain that kind of thing. So Jesus, they should have some level of fluency, but that sort of really isn't the case, is it? Yeah, that's what I kind of presumed always. Um, but I suppose I just wasn't really aware that there was like people who, who couldn't string a sentence together in Irish after doing it in school. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you were at home in Cork, what what village, what part of the Cork Grail are you from? Bela uh, Hungarig, um, so Balangeri or Gugombara, um, it's the place of the lake and the mountains and the church in the middle of the lake. Beautiful place altogether. And yeah. is it really, you know, in the Gaeltacht areas, because when I would have learned Irish now, I spoke a reasonably decent level of Irish. Now, I probably may have been one of those people you went to college with where you went, hang on a second, this fellow has no idea. But I went to the Gaeltacht in uh, in Karna and in Spiddle in, uh, in Connacht, and I would have thought it was fairly decent. Like, what was daily life there? So if you were to go to the shop, if you were to get on a bus or into a taxi, or if you were to go to the local doctor, that kind of thing, would all of those interactions happen through Irish? Would some of them be through English? Would there be a mix of both going? on there? Uh, there'd be a mix of both actually so you could go into the shop the local shop in Ballingary and speak Irish um, and then we don't have any taxis or buses <laughs> in Ballingary but if you go to the next village there's a doctor there um, and post office and everything so you can speak Irish there um, and everyone will speak Irish back to you yeah, and would your natural instinct in in your home place would it be to speak Irish first? You know, regardless if you go in there, you know, it might be somebody from Poland now behind the counter. Who knows? You know, but you would would you start off in Irish first every time? Yeah, um, I suppose you really like it's such a tiny place that you really know everyone in the place and you know who is the who are the people who want to speak Irish to you and who are the people who'd prefer. English, I suppose. And then my parents ran a hotel or run a hotel. And um, so that was the same working there. Do you know, when you speak to the customers, 
you could kind of do both. So usually I'd start like say something simple like Gaurav Mahagut, which is thank you. Mm. Um and then it might click with them to speak Irish after that. Um, yeah. So like just small snippets here and there, sort of. And would you get really annoyed then when dubs come down to Google Bar and they'd be coming with their sort of, you know, Dublin Irish and you'd be like, oh, holy Jesus, they've no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> no, I love it. I love when anyone you, from yeah? outside the guide dog is speaking Irish. Um, just makes me so happy. Yeah. I, um, I live in Stockholm in Sweden, right? And when I moved over here, I found that the people sort of closest to me and meaning the woman who's now my wife, had the least patience when it came to teaching me Swedish, right? Because she just, you know, it was easier just to speak English, you know. Um, do, is it part of your sort of, you know, your national responsibility, your responsibility to Ireland to have patience with people like me when they're learning the language, do you think? Yeah, well, that's in my my own opinion. I love teaching Irish and promoting Irish. And as you know, in my in my head, I'm going to get as many people as possible speaking Irish. Um, so that's for me anyway, that I... I I think I have natural patience as well. So, um, and from primary school teaching, I definitely learned more patience through that. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's um, I'm patient and open to people speaking Irish. Yeah, it's kind of you know being a primary school teacher. It's part of being a teacher and part of being a circus ringmaster at the best of times. Anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, now, the reason that you and I got in touch, right, is because I saw you on social media. You were saying that you're offering, uh, you have a service where you offer to teach people Irish online, right? Now, I'm guessing that the people who responded to that aren't the three or four or five or six-year-olds that you're may maybe used to in primary school teaching or maybe a little bit older. Um, how do you go about teaching adults, uh, a, a, who may never have spoken Irish before, but B, adults like myself who would have learned a certain amount in school and maybe just need to sort of, you know, to reawaken that? How, how does that process work? And what you offer yeah um so actually i set up a tiktok page maybe last year the year before um it's all ask Ilya, so in irish teaching or promoting irish kind of informally maybe um so it's not exactly like lessons um and it was through that that someone reached out and said oh any chance you offer private lessons so i offered so i was like yeah why not <laughs> i'm i'm free on a saturday might as well mm. um and then it was through that that more people started to contact me um, so I'm kind of giving it a go now full time. Um, so I've set up groups and stuff. So there's a lot of people who did Irish in school who are coming back to it now, hmm. 40 years later. Um, and they're based all over the world, which is cool. Um, so I'm grouping some of them up and some of them would prefer individual lessons. Um, so the kind of approach I suppose I'd have is very conversational based like to get people speaking the language so my groups never have more than five people just to make sure everyone has a chance to talk and get confident speaking it how quickly do they develop because there's actually there's a group here in stockholm and some of them are not irish people at all one of them is uh, max ortiz a good friend of mine my coach's daughter in martial arts and this is a man whose roots are in south america and at this stage, and I'm embarrassed to tell you, Jay, he speaks better Irish than what I do. It's terrible, you know. <laughs> but they meet up and they speak. Like, how how quickly do you find that helps people develop the language that that it'll be usable in your parents' hotel, for instance? Yeah, um, so I also set up a, a Kirkel Cora, which is like a, an informal chatting circle on Zoom. Um, so I had one last night, and I had someone from Virginia, Colorado, Las Vegas, Kerry. Uh, the UK had all these different people and they were all different students and they got a chance to speak together which was really cool because a lot of those people wouldn't have a chance to speak it in their day-to-day -day life and mm. um, so it's really just to get people using it and so much Irish like once you start using it like you 
it kind of forces you to to put some structures together in your head and like get that vocab like to use vocab is the best way to to learn it i'd say do you go in there in the in the uh, the conversational circle that you set up in Zoom? Do you go in there and sort of poke at what they're saying, or do they just look at you and go, Jane, what's the Irish for that? Which is probably the most regular question you get asked. Let's say is that. Yeah. So last night, um, the topic was movies and traveling. So before the session, I sent them like some handy vocab, so the like people couple fuckle they could. You know, they had some sentences prepared um, that they could use, <laughs> and then other people who are more fluent were able to kind of just speak you know they were stringing their own sentences together but then there was a lot of stuff where they were learning Irish through the circle like there was someone oh I think they wanted to say I suppose so or something and then I was told them how to say it and then they were I don't know everyone learned it together and stuff it was nice it is those sort of conversational they're almost like ticks things that you drop in there you know like in, in Dublin especially people would say do you know what I mean a lot and then you know you nod your head like you just did here on our zoom and that's just <laughs> they're all sort of integral parts of the conversation to keep it rolling on you know and um, when you went to university did you study Irish again at university despite the fact that you knew it already or uh, did you just study teaching oh it was primary teaching I suppose a little bit different doesn't it primary teaching with Irish like it was a uh, uh, my arts subject was was yeah. Irish yeah and, and and in doing that then Jane do you learn anything about teaching languages about the the sort of pedagogical nature of these things that you find that's a help to you now yeah, um, so we had a really good module about teaching Irish, actually, Moon and Nagahega. Um, so it was completely based on teaching Irish, but that was teaching Irish to children. Um, so there is. Is like... that very different then from teaching it to <laughs> adults like myself, would you say? Um, there's a huge crossover, I'd say. Um, so I love to have my lessons as engaging as possible. And when you're teaching 30 kids, the lessons have to be engaging. Yeah. But also when you're teaching an adult, like <laughs> if I'm learning something, I want to have it as engaging as possible. Yeah. Um, and interactive so I'd say that's a huge crossover and also poems and songs and everything um, I remember I went into my first class teaching adults and um, it was the at the University of Montana on a Fulbright scholarship um, and I went in and said to them like oh lava suus lava shias lava mac lava trasna like this thing I was using in primary school and they were all university students and they were all looking at me like mm, I don't think so this like, one is I, mad <laughs> yeah so I quickly learned, okay, there is a difference between them two. <laughs> so I was trying to find that balance. A harsh but valuable lesson learned right there, Jane. <laughs> yeah, I never did that again. <laughs> and what would you do instead? Because obviously, you know, when you go into a room like that of maybe non-Irish people, certainly non-Irish speakers, and you have to engage them direct, how would you do that now with adults if I was to bring you over to Stockholm, say? Um. I think the best thing to do is to get a, a relationship with the adults, like to to really get to know them and find out what what they're interested in. Um, is definitely one of the most important things, but also the culture. I think teaching the language and the culture together. So all my students, I'd say, they know at least one song in Irish, and um, whether they can sing or not, they still they'll still chance it. Um, but I think, yeah, like those kind of engaging ways of teaching. When you look at culture in the Irish language at the moment, I remember, Jesus, but I remember as clear as day now, back in, it must have been 1985 or 86, there was a band from Spiddle uh, called Nephilion, and they did, they sang in Irish, and they were probably one of the only bands, you know, you had the, the standard, I think all the songs that John Spillane recorded for songs we learnt at school, those two albums, you know, so we all knew those songs, but here was a band writing 
actual pop music in Irish. And, and like, and now this is going to sound like a deeply ignorant question, and I apologize if I offend you. Like, what sort of culture is being produced in the Irish language at the moment that you, as a native speaker, consume and that gives you that sort of feeling of connection to the language? Um, yeah, I suppose the pop songs as well. And now there's a what's the band called Imlay, I think, and they write songs, they like kind of pop. Maybe mm. indie songs, Oscar, which is really cool. Um, mm. so I think it's great that it's like Irish is starting to mix in or is mixing in with the like modern, modern culture as well of Ireland with like pop song or people rapping Oscar now. Mm. Um, and even TG Cahar has like more interest, like they have interesting shows Oscar. Mm. Uh, but then I did a master's last year with a focus on traditional singing. Um, so I have a, a big interest in in channels and traditional singing. Um, so I'd say I probably half and half with the like traditional culture and also this like new modern Irish culture. Even with social media, like there's so many people now on social media speaking in Irish or promoting Irish, which is cool too. Um, there's often there's an awful lot said and it, it kind of gets to be in a boring discussion about how we were taught or how Irish is taught at school and that kind of thing now I personally I don't believe that that's the reason that it's not as thriving maybe as it might be today an awful lot of us laziness on our part as well you know how how is it taught now to kids in school is it you know the peg is always thrown forward as you know it's no wonder nobody speaks Irish when you're talking about this boring L one and that kind of thing how what in your opinion is, is it well taught in schools is it well taught in universities to people like yourself how to teach it yeah I think Mary I that was good actually I was in Limerick in, in Mary Immaculate College and that was that gave me a good base about how to teach Irish um and I really think it depends on the teacher like teachers have to be able to speak Irish to teach Irish um mm. and I think that can be a gap sometimes the teachers um <laughs> don't speak it fluently enough to be able to to um to teach it maybe yeah. Um and but I do think it's become more like engaging and there's so much more Gael school now. I so Irish medium schools in Ireland. Mm. There's a huge rise in them, which is very encouraging as well. Mm. There's a sort of a thing about that as well that it's a very middle class thing to do to be sending your kids to a Gael school and that kind of thing. But to be honest, I don't care. You know, I mean, as long as people are learning the language, it doesn't matter to me whether they're middle class or upper class or working class or or, or what it is. You know, but has it become that kind of a thing that it's it's almost a sort of a a status thing among people now being able to speak Irish is actually becoming sort of trendy do you think yeah I suppose it is kind of coming trendy now um you'd see it on social media I suppose that more people are like doing like fashion videos asking and stuff which is really cool mm -hmm. uh, which is definitely making it more trendy um and then the status um I used to teach in Gales College so I spent two years and I think it's a big mix of students in the Gales College which is a great thing as well that it's like diverse in the girls schools too mm -hmm. yeah um in terms of um the language that you sort of speak and the, the way you experience language right? i was actually listening to a thing i fell on youtube singing in english the other day and it's just his command of the english language is powerful the way he put things together was brilliant and i remember thinking that it can be harder when you don't have the nuance of language to begin with when you're only learning culture doesn't tend to have the same impact because you simply don't understand it you know and um, when you personally when you were when you're done with your, your teaching for the day and that kind of thing and you sort of sit back and want to listen to some music do you go to shan notes do you go to irish films or do you go to irish language literature or is it sort of a bit of a you know a smorgasbord where you can pick whatever you like in the evening to have a listen to 
Um, it's a big mix, actually. There's a show on Radio Nagaitlukta on Sailo Yas, which is based on the, the south of Ireland, the Great Ducks and Munster. Yeah. Um, and that's, I love listening to that. So if I was in the car driving, I'd, if that was on, I would listen to it. And then I love trad music as well. It's like I would listen to that uh, mm-hmm. regularly. But I also love like folk and like modern American sort of music, pop music. Mm-hmm. So I'd say it's a big mix of everything. Do you play music yourself, do you? Yeah, I play the fiddle and the piano and the guitar. <laughs> I have, actually, now that I ask, I think the Gloaming, you know that band, the Gloaming, that uh, Martin Hayes and Dennis Cahill and a couple of others were in there. Somebody mentioned to them to me that they sang in Irish, and I kind of just ignored it for about five years. And then when I bought an LP when I was in Ireland, I just was going, Jesus, this is brilliant altogether, you know? Is, is, is there an awful lot of sort of... Now, Martin Hayes has been around for a long time and poor old Dennis Cowell passed away. Is there new musicians coming through who'd be sort of your age, you know, maybe who wouldn't be as grey in the beard as me good self, who are sort of carrying this forward? Yeah, I would say there's a huge amount of musicians my age. Um, even like at home locally, like there would be sessions on that there's young people playing, like not professionally, but just, you know, informally and at a really good standard. Mm. Um, and then there's definitely a lot of people playing music i have a, a spotify playlist um for like i have it as on my website that people can listen to all the different type of irish mm. like songs in irish with a big mix of new um artists and also like the the more traditional ones i'll tell you the moment we're doing here i could be into your website looking for that spotify <laughs> playlist you know? yeah. Jane, where do you see this going because there is an upswing, undoubtedly, in the last 10, 20 years, like you say, with the Grail Skulls, with the gloaming, with all these things. I mean, it would be fantastic to see, you know, that at some point maybe that more, that more of us were bilingual as you are, that we can use it regardless of whether it's English or Irish, you know, that we just pick one during the day and use it. Do you see a situation where maybe the language can get back to that? And if you don't, what do we have to do to get back to that point where we were in the early 1800s, where everybody spoke Irish and barely anybody spoke English? Yeah, I was reading a, an article recently about how the how Irish is becoming more of a, like it's not just in the Gaeltacht anymore. Mm. Um, I know Dublin is doing a big campaign, Dublin City at the moment, the to dubs. push Irish um, <laughs> or promote Irish in, in businesses and they're giving grants and stuff to get more people speaking Irish and attending lessons and more fogery, like signs in mm. Irish, um, which is amazing as well. Um, but... Um, what what was the second part of the question? No, I was just wondering if you see where it's going or what we need to do to get Irish, you know, we'll maybe never get back to where we were in the, at the you know the eighteenth, nineteenth century kind of thing, but to get it back to to this to the stage where it's a living, thriving language and where it doesn't matter. You know, if you go to a place like Belgium and you have people speaking Flemish and people speaking French and it doesn't make any difference to them, you know, address them in one and they'll answer in one. And if they haven't got the word, well then they'll take the word from the other kind of thing. You know, can you see a situation in our future where Irish will have that stature again? Ireland. Um, I'd love to see it, but I, I'm not sure how how realistic it is. Um, to be honest with you, which is such a bad thing of me to say in one way. Um, but I am definitely optimistic that there will be more people, um, speaking it. The Gaelic skull, like that, gives me great like encouragement too. That there's going to be a whole generation, like there's going to be so many more Irish speakers all across Ireland. Um, like growing up now because they're all they're all children now. But in in ten years, they'll all be able to speak Irish. Um, fluently, I suppose. Um, so it'll it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I'd say. Would you like to see a situation where every school was a Gaelic school? 
I, I know they're testing a thing at the moment that they'll be teaching more subjects through Irish, like, you know, that they would teach sport in Irish. Um, so like not a full guide school, but that they would have more subjects being taught, yeah. right? Like sport or art or something, um, which I think is a really good idea to bring it out of not just Irish class, not just that one hour a day of Irish, yeah. but it kind of filters through to other subjects. There's a chain of schools in Sweden here where I am called the International English School and they teach everything, obviously, apart from Swedish and one or two other things, but they teach everything through English. So kids are sort of immersed in the English language. So and it it seems to work. They certainly come out of it with some level of English that maybe they wouldn't have had otherwise. And then like the the, the language that's used in the corridors and with the teachers informally and that kind of thing is also English. So it's, you know, it's kind of like when we went to Gaeltacht and they tell you, OK, you'll be sent home if you speak English. It's not that harsh, but geez, it's not far off. You know, it seems to be working out. Jane, how can people learn Irish from you? Uh, is it very expensive? Is it something that they'd have to spend a whole heap of time on? Or what's the best way for them to go about getting in touch and getting going with it? Yeah, so I'm trying to make it open as possible to as many people as possible. So I have the individual lessons, um, which would be probably more expensive, but then I'm grouping people together. So it's more um, affordable for people. So that's 15 euro in a group. Um, hmm. So there, there wouldn't be more than five. So it'll be three or five people three to five people um, in those. And then I'll have the Kirkle Cora, which is an informal chat for free every two weeks. And so if someone can't afford the lessons, they can come to that and they'll get the the resources and everything um, with that. So I'm setting up the website at the moment. Um, it's kind of in development, I suppose. Um, so it's com. So I'm using a platform called Teachable to actually develop a course um, that will be like on demand that people can watch the videos and go through all the stuff themselves. Um, but that's in development at the moment. So that should be ready maybe next month, I'd say. Um, or my email is Jane. So Irish with Jane, Jane at gmail.com. And is this, are you doing this full time now or are you still teaching? Because we're talking at a time when you probably should be in the classroom or there's a bunch of seven year olds <laughs> running around like maniacs now while you're talking to me. <laughs> um, so I'm taking a break from teaching. Um, so I went to America for a year. So I did two years of grade, teaching grade schools. Then I was in America for a year teaching Irish. And then I was, I did a master's in UCC in Irish last year. So this year now I'm just giving this a go and also working as a freelance translator. Pretty good. So, and and how's it working out for you? Are you able to make ends meet? You may not make as much as you're making, you know, from a grail school or that kind of thing, but is it, is it working out for you at all, is it? Yeah, it is actually. It is now. Um, so I took some, uh, <laughs> some faith and patience maybe um, mm. last, like, you know, September to December. Uh, but now it's definitely starting to come together for me, which is great. <laughs> Brilliant. And for anybody who's listening to this, right, I know you as miserable bastards. You could be out there going, oh, you know, I'll just join the, the Kirkel Cora. No, pay the 15 euro or get the individual <laughs> lesson and keep this scale working because it's an absolutely fantastic idea. And what I'll, you and me can have a conversation offline about this because this is something I want to keep coming back to, not least for my own sake and my daughter who's born and raised here in Sweden, but I've been learning from Duolingo and this kind of thing because it is something that I think the work you're doing is absolutely brilliant and I want to keep pushing it. I think there's probably many people listening to this uh, out there who want to learn a bit more so maybe we can have you on you know once a month once every couple of months just to give us a few tips here and there and keep you going but for now Jane Gromina Mahagat Gromina Mahagat Philip Slán Slán Gafol Do you ever want to be just a straight out and out presenter though? did you ever want to No no no, no. What I, about I, when I, you were in the early days in Ireland I did kids TV for a couple of years but only because I needed What was the name of the kids TV show Echo Island was Echo, Island. Echo Island Wouldn't we like to see a clip from Echo Island maybe? <laughs> Would you like to see a clip from Echo Island <laughs> 
Let's have a look anyway. And remember, the Dawa you're about to see now on Echo Island is made of exactly the same atoms and subatomic <laughs> particles as the Dawa that's sitting here right now. They just vibrate differently. Yes. Have a look at this. Dort Tishmore Lucy in the area of Lenny Grosh, the Giri Garaxi, Giri Skull Konia. On Skull Konia, she's in Klosh in the Rinna, she's a Bart Lager. Augusty Lucy Nervishak, Niam Shakintamela Shah Dorchi. Tayot, show share the Kedi enemy, a Dort Lucy Linga. Togame camera webshe, Augusty Scan on Mail and Ot, Confirmach, Olin Mahaslehi, Augusty and Scan on Lienchi. Echo Island. What was he speaking of? Was that Iraqi? <laughs> it was it was it was not Iraq. It sounded uh, Persian. Were you speaking Persian? One of the old languages. That is my old in Al Jazeera. The, what, uh, what language is that? Is that, is that Irish? Uh, it's Irish. Can you speak some Irish for us now? Yeah, I can. Well, actually, give me something to say. Uh, how about you say uh, that this couch is marvelous? Could I buy it from you? There you go, that is none other than legendary Irish comedian Dara O'Brien speaking Irish to none other than legendary British comedian... What's his name again, yeah, man? Jesus, I can't remember. Jonathan Ross. There you go. Not so legendary as you may have been led to believe, ladies and gentlemen. And I had to cut that off there because all of a sudden, of course, Dara went off into a very comedic riff, which was kind of maybe not for a family audience. So if you're sitting in the car with the family there in New Zealand, Colin McGrath, you wouldn't have appreciated what he had about, was about to say there. So I cut it off. It's a family show after all, boys and girls. There you go. That is it for Jane. Get in touch with Jane Lee Lewis, right? Uh, look her up on TikTok. I think she's called at Jane Skull, S-C-O-I-L, which is the Irish word for school. Uh, I've had a look through some of our TikToks there. I was going to include one of them here, but no, go off to her account there and find it uh, yourself. I will put the link to her website in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, so if you're listening on Podbean or if you're listening on Spotify or if you're listening on SoundCloud or whatever. I was going to say Soundwave. Jeez, that was a completely different company altogether. Owned by an Irishman called Brendan O'Driscoll. But there you go. I shall put them in the show notes. Get in touch with her. Tell them the Global Gale podcast sent you. Uh, and just get in touch and book whatever it is that suits you. As I say, you know, it's one thing to support people and the work they do. It's another thing entirely to support them financially. And that's what enables people like Jane and people like myself to keep going. So if you can do that, do that. You can support me, patreon.com forward slash Arrowman in Stockholm. And she will be back again. I will check in with her now on the regular, as the young people say, and uh, try to get her a little bit more involved so that we can keep this sort of front row centre on our agenda for the Global Gale podcast. Maybe she can tell me a little bit about her students and a little bit about how it's going for them and that kind of thing. So you never know. I might even see you in the conversational circle, the Kirkel Kora. Is it Kirkel or Circle? It might be Kirkle. There you go. I'll have to go back over the interview and listen. But I may see, may see you in there. But what I will definitely see you for is another podcast this coming Saturday in a few days from now where I will be back on the Global Gale podcast. Until then, uh, look after yourselves. Look after one another. Slán go